Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide. This is a Lip Media Podcast. You're listening to All the Shit I've Learned Abroad. I'm Andrea Gillis. And I'm Step Page. We're two Canadian expats now living in Australia and the UK. Between the two of us, we've been through the ringer in our travels, experiencing missed flights, volcanic eruptions, and even a terrorist attack. It's not all that extreme, though. We've also experienced heartwarming, life-changing moments and met amazing people along the way. So kick back and listen to All the Shit I've Learned Abroad. Welcome to another episode of All the Shit I've Learned Abroad. I'm Andrea. And I'm Steph. Today we're joined by Brady Troutman of SV Delos, one of the most popular sailing YouTube channels out there. In 2018, Brady and the rest of the SV Delos crew took part in a three-week sailing expedition across the Arctic, where they encountered whales, walruses, polar bears, and some very frigid conditions. Their exciting and somewhat terrifying journey was thankfully all captured on film, and this month they'll be releasing this footage in a documentary titled 80 Degrees North, which Brady is here to talk to us about. So welcome, Brady. Thanks for being on the podcast. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I know we're all over different parts of the world, so I'm glad we were able to make it work with all the time zones. Definitely. This is, uh, yeah, it's always a bit of a challenge, but yeah, we're really glad that you were able to come on with us today. Um, And we just want to start out, like, can you just tell us a bit about yourself, you know, your journey into sailing for a living and just more about SV Delos in general. Yeah, for sure. So um, first of all, thanks so much for having me. Like I said, it's always nice to, to talk to different people around the world about traveling and sailing specifically. That's been my passion for at least the past 10 years now. And it all kind of started uh, back in 2010 when my brother, who is 10 years older than me, was living in uh, Seattle, Washington, and I was living in Orlando, Florida. And we both kind of got into sailing at the same time. I was a, a dive instructor down in the Florida Keys, like in between going to university. So I was like going down there for three or four months at a time, teaching diving. I got my captain's license. I learned how to sail. And then I'd go back to college. And I was I was going through a degree or trying to go through a degree in envir- right. environmental engineering. And he was getting into sailing at the same time. And um, out of nowhere... Kind of. He he decided to buy, him and his, his ex-partner, his wife at the time, decided, decided to buy a 53-foot catch. So it's a French-built boat, two-mast, and like a very blue water, ocean-crossing type of boat. And at that time, even before that, we had no idea that people actually crossed oceans. Like, 
lived, right. on, lived on a boat and like i don't know it was just kind of a, a weird world that we fell into that we're like wow sailing isn't just for like lakes and and you know coastal cruising yeah. you can actually cross oceans and do that yeah <laughs> that's <laughs> so, cool you're like this is a real thing people do this for a living <laughs> yeah like the van life thing was barely getting started around that time mm. there was a few friends that were starting to do it and then it was like it's like a van <laughs> yeah. that you can take it anywhere in the world on the ocean so <laughs> way cooler way cooler than like a van's cool but a sailboat 10 times cooler <laughs> yeah with 10 times more responsibility and cost and yeah. fear and <laughs> so you you took after big brother then you were kind of like all right this is cool. I want to get into this. And what, so you had no previous like sailing experience. I mean, I always think of people that are into sailing. It's something that they learn like when they're younger. I mean, I had this idea in my head. It was like, I I hate to say it, but like this sort of like yuppie hobby for like rich kids growing up, you know, like (laughs) I don't know much about it, but yeah. I mean, most people, yeah. Most people were like, Oh, you must've grown up sailing or had some sort of, our parents aren't sailors. Like my dad gets seasick. Mm. So it was, it right. was purely, we just kind of happened to fall into, I always loved the ocean and we just kind of happened to fall into it, learn in our own ways. And then when this trip kind of came up, um, we both were like, let's go. And let's, I was only actually yeah. supposed to be on the boat for like three weeks. <laughs> and then like right. ten, 10 years later, it all, uh, it all came to where I am yeah. right now. And here you are. Um, yeah. so let's, let's talk about the documentary then. So I watched this and I had a lot of feelings watching this documentary and mainly I was terrified. <laughs> like it was an exciting, terrified feeling though, because I have always wanted to go to the Arctic, but I think there's things about it that, you know, scare me. And then to see you guys in this little sailboat cruising through like all these adventures you went on. Again, while it was exciting, I was just like scared for you guys. How did this come about? Like how, what, whose idea was it? And, you know, how did you guys kind of execute this into reality? Yeah, well, it kind of all fell into our laps pretty much. We were, we were at this point when we started planning this trip, we were in South Africa in Cape Town and I had just met my girlfriend and she flew out to Cape Town to pretty much just be like another videographer and editor on the boat and help us cross from south africa to brazil and of course like you know on a sailboat a month into it we were hooking up and and became a little bit more than just crewmates so as you do um, in close quarters like that yeah (laughs) you can't i mean we have so many things in common and it just it was inevitable that it was going to happen so yeah (laughs) but during during that trip um some friends of ours they own a sailboat and they own a, a sailing company called 59 North, which does like mm. big offshore expeditions. And they pretty much just take people on big offshore trips, whether it's a bucket list item or whether people want to learn, that's kind of what they do. And they were planning on going up to the Arctic. Um, so this was 2017 when, when all this started coming together and they, they wrote us an email and was just like, would you guys be interested, any of you be interested in, in coming up to the Arctic and doing something a bit different and filming it all? Because they had like a little gap between their charters they were doing. And I remember when my brother, when Brian got the email and he kind of, like, I think he was typing yes as he asked all of us. He was like, you guys right. want to go, yeah, you want to go sailing <laughs> to the Arctic in a place called Svalbard? And we're like, where the hell is that? So like. He's like, it's happening. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We were all like, yes, first of all, 100% yes. Like we'd, be, we'd yeah. been, we'd been living near the equator for 
10 years going north and south, mm. like dodging hurricane season. And the, I don't know, the lure of, of going someplace where there's glaciers and polar bears was just like a new frontier for us because yeah. we, we, I don't want to say we were jaded, but we were just used to kind of the island hopping sailing life. So we immediately said yes without knowing what we were getting ourselves into. We didn't own any cold weather gear. We pretty much lived in our underwear. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, because you guys are used to sailing in really like warm weather temperatures. And this must have been like a totally different experience, like completely new, which kind of goes into my my next question. Like I would imagine going on a lot like a sailing trip like this, it takes some pre-planning. But to be sailing in the Arctic, like was there extra planning? I would imagine you would have had to like take way more time to plan this. Oh, tons of planning. But luckily, Andy and Mia from 59 North, they have a 48-foot 40, swan. And they mm. had, like, kitted the boat out. So they put a new new engine in. They put a diesel heater in there. They were handling a lot of the sailing logistics. And for once, okay. for once we could take a step back. And we were like, we need to focus on how we're going to film the trip, like what kind of cameras we're going to bring. Mm. Yeah. Of course, getting some cold weather gear. But a lot of the actual logistics and safety of sailing – we were able to pass that on, which is such a relief because right. to be sailors and filmmakers at the same time is, it's just too many hats to wear. I mean, did you, did you learn a lot from those guys though, that were able to, you know, plan the actual sailing part of it in the Arctic? Yeah. It's, it's funny. Cause when, when we were actually up there sailing, like after all this planning, we had a year to pretty much come up with our, in our heads, what it was going to be like. Right. And we're like, it's going to be gnarly conditions. It's going to be blowing like 50 or 60 knots the whole time. There's going to be ice. Like polar bears are going to try and eat you. So yeah, I, I personally I personally had, had all these built up, I don't know, preconceived ideas of what it was going to right. be like. And, and we showed up and it was like blue skies and one, one, two degrees Celsius. Oh, so it wasn't perfect. It was the middle of, middle of sun. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, oh, this, this isn't that bad. This is pretty nice. <laughs> yeah. Until... until storms hit and then it's like oh shit of course well and that's i mean we always steph and i are both from canada so you know when it comes to frigid conditions we get it um and it's all about layering up so i hope that someone taught you that before you went out there it's all about the layers definitely was it you i think there was one scene in there where you started pretty much almost naked (laughs) fully outstretched (laughs) and did the layer on layer on layer was that you <laughs> yeah, that was that was me. That's yeah. yeah, that's that's one of the favorite movie posters slash hated movie posters is the one where you can see all I have is a rifle covering my my private yeah. parts. And, and yeah, we did that. We did that stop motion to literally show like how many layers you need to wear. You know, there's like yeah. base layer, mid layer, then there's a thermal, and then there's the outer shell. And then if you're sailing on top of that, then you have like foul weather gear, so it's waterproof. So. By the time, yeah. if, you're, if you're sailing and it's bad conditions, you have five, six, seven layers on sometimes. And um, yeah. it's hard, it was hard to walk around for sure. I bet. Did you do any kind of physical preparations to get ready? So not necessarily in terms of the learning and the know-how, but just getting your body ready. I guess maybe it wasn't as cold as you thought it was going to be, but, you know, preparing yeah. for these. Did you do anything physically to prepare for that? Um, let's see. We were in we were in Brazil for like six months before that happened. So subconsciously, I put on quite a bit of weight, which was pretty. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> smart, smart. Yeah. You know, just the, the ex, all the all the churrasco and the caipirinhas 
you know, added yeah. some extra weight, which which ended up keeping me warm, but it wasn't planned. So no, there was there was no. Just physical... say it was. Say it was yeah. planned. Yeah. This is your time now on the podcast <laughs> to say, yeah, this was all part of the plan. <laughs> That's exactly why I'm still big now as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, us Canadians, we always put on like our you know our winter ten fifteen. Because yeah. you know you get you get ready for those cold you know winters, <laughs> um, and that's what it's about. So. Yeah, exactly. So we need to talk about the animal encounters. I need to get to this. So Steph and I actually we did an episode earlier this year with Zoos Victoria in Melbourne, um, and we we discussed with one of the directors there about ethical animal encounters during your travels. Now there's a scene in the documentary where you guys encounter these massive, beautiful walruses, and you're you know you're taking photos of them, but then you guys get told off by I think it was like a cruise ship captain. Or someone, yep. And uh, and he said, you know, you guys aren't supposed to get that up uh, up close to them. And turns out he was wrong. Uh, you know, you guys explained you got, went through the rule book and it was fine. But yep. with that in mind, talking about that, you know, that planning. How much how much research did you guys have to look into when it came to experiencing these Arctic animal encounters, uh, like you know, the walruses. Yeah. Uh, the whales, the polar bears, which we'll talk about after as well. But yeah, how much, you know, did you guys read into that? Yeah, quite a bit because, I mean, a lot of the places that we've been sailing, we're very used to being in really remote places that are untouched by people. And most, a lot mm-hmm. of them are, are nature reserves, so you have to get permits to go there. So we're always super aware of our impact on the environment mm-hmm. and not not leaving anything, not taking anything away. And it was, yeah, it was no different for going up to Svalbard. And the general rule up there is, is basically anything you're doing where it changes the animal's behavior, you're, you're, being, mm. you're being in the wrong. So that was our, our rule of thumb. And it's different for every animal. Like um, the, the distance that you'd have to be from them and stuff is, is definitely different for each animal. And for polar bears, for example... I mean, mm. you don't want to be anywhere near them. Really. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, no. It's, 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 uh, I mean, you, you're required to have a rifle when you leave town yeah. for protection. I saw that. There was someone in charge of, um, what was it, beer and getting the Guns beer and, and beer. getting the gun. <laughs> Guns and us. beer, yeah. That's, that's, that the, Del- <laughs> that's the, the Delos crew. You asked about the, the pre- preparation. They did the sailing part. <laughs> yeah, what a responsibility. <laughs> it was a big one, yeah. But, it, I mean, but yeah, doing, going back to, like, the animals and stuff, the one thing we're always super aware of is drones as well because drones mm-hmm. can really mess with birds, uh, they, and they can really scare animals that aren't used to seeing. Like, if, if, if they're not used to seeing big birds that make that much noise, it could really scare them. So we, we definitely go out of our way to not interfere with any natural behavior of the animal and that's exactly what we were doing in that scene we were just observing from very far away we were there Mm -hmm. for probably two hours and over the period of two hours we noticed they weren't bothered by us they didn't even notice we were there so we moved a little bit closer maybe 10 foot at a time Mm. and that was it and then all of a sudden yeah a cruise ship comes up and (laughs) and they and they run up closer than we were and we're there for 10-15 minutes take their pictures and they're back on the ship and we've run into that before it's you know it's it's whether it's commercial interest or they want to give their clients the the most authentic experience. And if we're sitting there with all of our camera gear and a drone yeah. around and their their clients are like, Well, this isn't that special, they're out here too. Yeah, mm. that's true. So we we just kinda we just kinda smile and, and say thank you and we kind of 
or we're, we just say we're respecting and say thank you pretty much. Yeah. Thanks I mean, for the advice. A, yeah. Thanks for the advice. We're good. <laughs> yeah. Talking of uh, polar bears. So I want to yeah. talk about the polar bears. So we, we have uh, this saying that we learn in Canada because obviously we have bears and they say, if it's brown, lay down. If it's black, fight back. If it's white, good night. Meaning you play dead if you encounter a brown bear, you fight back with a black bear, and if you encounter a polar bear, you're fucked. Yeah. <laughs> That's, so what was it like, I mean, to, to be that up close and personal? I mean, you weren't right up there in the polar bear's business, but closer than anyone would ever kind of get to with a polar bear. I've only ever seen a polar bear in a zoo. And I would imagine, I mean, I would be terrified if I saw a polar bear just in the wild. Like, what were you guys feeling? <laughs> Canada sounds crazy. You guys get all three bears? <laughs> well, it's not like polar bears are like, you know, just cruising around in your neighborhood or the woods. But and I will say the polar bears have actually ventured down into the subarctic of Canada because of climate yeah. change. Yeah. So they are actually coming into the cities in the subarctic, in the Timmins yeah. area and stuff. So... Yeah. Yeah. They are. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for, for us, like, and it's such an iconic thing to see in the Arctic, Arctic and especially up near where Svalbard is. It's, it's mm-hmm. the most iconic animal. And our encounter, like, I couldn't have planned it better. It was, I mean, if we would have planned it, it wouldn't have been better. The, I don't want to give too much away because it's an incredible scene and I love it. But, yeah. you know, we, we were lucky enough to see the polar bears from the water. And, yes, they can swim, but they're not going to, like, go after you and chase you from from what I know. I haven't heard many stories mm. of that. It's mostly <laughs> on land. If they want to come and mess with you, they'll mess with you. But we were in a dinghy, and if the polar bear were to even notice we were there and turn and start kind of swimming towards us, although our dinghy was slow, I'm pretty confident we could have outran the polar bear. Mm-hmm. So seeing it, yeah, yeah I'm pretty confident. <laughs> <As> you <laughs> saying this is giving me anxiety right now because I'm like, I don't know, but okay, I'm glad you're here. I'll just say that. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that took away so much of the nerves and the scene that we saw, the polar bear actually ended up finding some food. Yes. So, I mean, didn't even know we were there and we were 20 yards, maybe yeah, 20 meters off the shore in a mm-hmm. boat taking pictures and we could have turned and left at any time that they yeah. kind of noticed us and got agitated. But once they found food, they, that was it. Like there was no question where they, whether, you know, we were a bother or not. They just were munching down for hours and we ended up leaving and they were still, still there. So our encounter yeah. was not scary at all. It was very humbling. Yeah. Mm. It, and it was, I mean, as you said, again, we won't give much away cause I mean, we want everyone to watch this documentary cause it is amazing, <laughs> but the scene is really heartwarming it really is heartwarming the whole scene with the polar bears and i mean it like almost brought like a little tear to my eye and i have a cold yeah. heart so i was like oh the polar bears are happy so yeah it was it was really yeah i loved it well that makes if i if, if we can create something that that gives somebody emotion especially with a cold black heart then i think we've done our totally job. so thank you i'm like yes absolutely <laughs> well i will say so one of my where i got that feeling one of my dreams in 2020 that i had planned and booked that has obviously been postponed now was to go whale watching so there was a scene in the documentary and same thing we won't say too much but you come across a group of beluga whales and you get kind of the full sensory experience and I could tell watching it, it was one of those moments where you were all in genuine awe of what you were experiencing. Mm. And yeah. that, I just like, 
that feeling got me so excited for you that you were all experiencing that. What was that like with the whales and that whole experience you had? I mean, even even thinking about it now, I like I get goosebumps from it because <laughs> like there, there's there's researchers up there that specifically track beluga whales and look for them. And we were told through some sources up there that they see a pod maybe twice a season and they're mm-hmm. like looking for them. And the pod that we saw was huge. It was, I think it was yeah. two pods together. It was huge. And it, we kind of just came across it and it was, it was the same day that we saw the polar bears and it was just like the day of magic. It was like, this yeah. day can't get any better. <laughs> it was, you know, the sun, the sun is up, it's blue skies and well, the sun's always up. It was like 11 PM yeah. when we saw the beluga whales. <laughs> And then what really, really topped it off, though, was having the hydrophone. I mean, being able to hear them yes. underwater was like, it's it's tropical paradise. So that audio that we were listening to watching it, was that the audio you recorded? That was what you were listening to? Because I was getting goosebumps was just it. listening to. Oh, oh yeah, I love that. That was it. I mean, <laughs> when, you see, when you see our reactions on camera... That was what we were listening to exactly when you're watching it. Oh. So, that was, yeah, to be able to put that in there was incredible. And we actually did a lot of work to that audio. And there's some Easter eggs, I guess, if you wear really good headphones when you're Ooh. watching that part. Yeah, I, just, you... I just bought a new pair of Bose noise-canceling headphones, so I'm going to have to watch it again <laughs> with those on. <laughs> yeah, watch watch it again. And it, it we made the audio 3D, so it's like it, it can actually like it's you can hear it almost if you close your eyes like the whales are swimming around near your head. It is freaking oh. bizarre. Yeah. Okay, I need to I need to revisit this. Yeah, it's really special. I, I, I yeah, I absolutely loved all the animal encounters. And there's um, a scene as well. I can't remember who it was, but someone really wants to see a puffin, which I really want to see a puffin yeah. in real life. <laughs> um, which is just a little bird. It's actually um, in Canada, Newfoundland. I'm pretty sure the puffin is the national bird there. Did you end up seeing one? Yeah, they're such cool little creatures. They're like they're I don't know. They're not like if you think about it, they're not that special. But for some reason, just like the way their beaks are colored and. Yeah. Kind of like a mix between a penguin and a bird, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> they're just these like silly little birds that, I don't know, you look at them yeah. and you're like, oh, they look kind of dopey, but just really cute. Yeah. <laughs> so we did we did end up seeing some and mm-hmm. uh, like the actual footage from that, like the, the worst part of the trip is we, we one of our hard drives went bad and we oh, lost no. like... We lost like a full twenty four hours worth of footage, mm. oh. and it was a disaster. Like we were all just so just. It was towards the end of the trip, and and we went to this place. It was called which does this doesn't show up in the documentary series at all. But there's a place up there called Texas Bar, and it's mm. the northernmost bar in the world apparently. And all it is is like this little wooden hunter shack that somebody had like made out of sticks that says Texas Bar on it, and everyone that yeah. goes there leaves like a bottle of whiskey behind and then takes one with them and there's old magazines from like the 60s and 70s from like Norway of it's it's just such a cool place so we lost all that footage that's why it didn't end up in the actual series but that was also oh. when the puffins were around oh so the puffins didn't make the cut yeah we, there was a there was a still we put it like one still we put in there but the encounter oh. is not in there yeah well i guess you're going to have to go back then I mean, that's, <laughs> exactly. to me, that indicates another trip to the Arctic. And, you know, you said you, if you've gained the weight, keep it on. Just go back. Just go back for the puffins. Yeah. <laughs> you talked about, so how it was light all the time. So Steph and I, we've talked about this on the, yeah. the podcast previously, but Steph and I, we did a trip to Iceland together a couple of years ago. And right. 
we went in the summertime um, and we had this great idea. So Iceland is fucking expensive. Like it's, so it's everything's pricey there. And so we were kind of like, you know what? We can do this on a budget. Steph and I are kind of budget travelers anyways. (laughs) And we rented a car, like a Jeep. And we said, oh, you know what? We're not going to book any hostels or hotels or anything. We're Uh going to sleep in our Jeep. So we got sleeping bags and just said, well, we're going to do this road trip. We'll park on the side of the road, sleep in the Jeep, done. And the first night we did it, we did not take into account (laughs) that it's light out all night. And it's not like we had, like, tinted windows or anything. So we're like, this was a terrible idea. And it was the strangest thing. Like, it was, you know, at at one point, it was the same thing. We went to some bar one night where we paid, like, $50 for a pint of beer, which I don't even want to think about that anymore. Because it's still, I'm still haunted by that. And I remember I was walking back to our jeep or wherever we were staying that night it was still light out it was like you know midnight i mean in the arctic it's a bizarre feeling it's even more so like it's literally just sunlight all the time in the summer yeah it's it's like it's 3 p.m all the time yeah Yeah. (laughs) i say it in the documentary and i i love the sun if it's cloudy it really affects my mood or at night Mm. or early morning i'm not like the happiest person so if it's like blue sky, <laughs> blue skies and sunny, I'm just stoked. Like I'm, I'm feeling good. I feel happy. So for me, and I can sleep at any point. If I'm tired, I can just right. pass out. It could be bright out. For me, it didn't matter at all. For some of the people, it, it really messed up their their internal clocks. Your equilibrium. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And for the sake of the expedition, though, it was like. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. We had double the time, so although we were there for three weeks, it was like we were there for six weeks because there was no off time. It was like... We would, we would travel during the day sometimes for four or five hours and then get someplace at midnight and it would look exactly the same. And then we'd go on an adventure, go on a hike and go filming and come back to the boat at like five or six in the morning. And then it still looks the same. And you're like, when am I supposed to sleep? (laughs) And then next thing you know, you haven't slept for like four days. You're like, wow, I'm just delusional at this point. And you're running on yeah. adrenaline. <laughs> yeah, and then you drink it, and then you drink a bottle of whiskey, and then you're really confused. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of one of my questions about, like, did you guys work in shifts of like sleeping with someone up all through the night? How did it work on the boat in terms of who slept and who was awake? Yeah, it's a really good question. It really depends. A lot of people don't realize that, like, when you sail and when you're underway, there's always somebody awake. And like, even my parents were like, when we, when we do these big ocean crossings and you're at sea for. 15 19 days like what do you do at night and you're like you just keep sailing like that's it (laughs) but there's always there's always somebody awake there's always somebody on watch checking radar there's always somebody looking at the horizon making sure everything's running good the sails are in good shape make sure the wind wind direction isn't changing 
And it was no different up there. It was if we were underway, there was always somebody at the helm on watch, yeah. uh, keeping a lookout. And then occasionally, if we were at an anchorage where there was a danger of ice coming down and like crushing the boat, or if there was bad yeah. weather, then there would always be somebody awake at that point as well. The one thing I loved about the documentary, too, was not just all the moments where I was super envious and in awe of everything you were doing, but there was kind of some learning moments in there as well, because there was a scene where, I'm, I'm not going to get the name right, they were called Jetty Bits? What were they... Um, Bergy, the are you talking types. about Bergy bits? Bergy bits, there you yes, go. <laughs> Bergy bits. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where I just you would it sounds so harmless when you look at one, but then all of a sudden you're surrounded by them and you realize we could be stuck here. Yeah, yeah. That's that's one thing that that was super scary, and we learned a lot about is none of us had never sailed in that kind of ice before. We've all we've mm. all sailed around the world and, and had tons of miles, um, including Andy and Mia from from Fifty Nine North. Mm. But we'd never been in ice icy conditions like that. So that was we were always on edge about checking like what was coming off the glaciers, making sure we weren't downwind of a glacier. Because if the glacier were to calve and you have ice the size of an office building like breaking off, it'll blow down mm-hmm. onto the boat right. and literally crush you. So watching the ice was super important and. There's one part in the documentary where ice started to flow into the, our anchorage, and and I'm not going to say how it ended, but it's a very mm-hmm. very scary situation when you have you're basically like a toothpick at that point, and if you don't get out yeah. quick and you don't make the right decisions, it crushes your boat like like a tin can, like you're just done pretty Jeez. much. Well, and you don't like it's it's one of those things that I think people don't realize how big these glaciers are until you actually see them. Yeah, you know, in the flesh, and you're out there, you're like, holy shit, and just how dangerous it really is. They are, they are so fucking massive. It is, and it's hard yeah. to show on camera. Like we tried to do different things, put the boat in yeah. front of it, or like measure it, and it's just like, no, it's insane. It, it, you can't it, like do it justice. Um, and as you said, there's just so many moments in the documentary. I'm like, oh my god, like I was just <laughs> kind of on edge and. I mean, it was so, like, thrilling to watch, but also I was, like, digging my nails, like, into my pillow, like, oh, my God, please get out now. I'm, I'm glad, again, I'm glad you're here to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, we are, too. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to bring up COVID for a minute. For and sure. one of the common complaints that couples are facing during COVID times is that they're spending so much time locked inside together with literally no escape. And oh, yeah. they're driving each other crazy. How on earth do you spend three weeks jam-packed on a tiny sailboat with, I think, what was there, like six of you, eight of you? Eight that eight many people. Yeah. Especially, especially siblings and significant yeah. <laughs> others. Like, I mean, I, my sister and I, we, like, I love her to death, but we do not travel well together. Surely we're just seeing the really good moments <laughs> on film. Yeah. Like, there's got to be moments behind the scenes where you're like, okay, I've, you're going all a bit crazy. <laughs> you know, that's it's <laughs> funny you say that because there actually wasn't like there was no arguments, there was no and and it's people are people are always so shocked. Like this documentary, uh, we I had talks with Discovery Channel and Netflix and and Hulu and all these guys for for streaming it, and they were asking me to put more drama in it. And they're like, right. we need to see the crew Go arguing. Figure. We need to see yeah, we need to change this music. We need this. And I'm like. <laughs> 
no, there isn't. Like we weren't arguing, and like it, it was, it would, it is what it is. Like this is as real as it's going to get. And going back to the the original thing of of living in close quarters, we always think about a boat as a pressure cooker. So if you have mm. problems with somebody, or if you have issues or you get annoyed with somebody, it's going to be magnified times 10 when you're on a boat, just mm-hmm. like you're seeing during COVID. And the other right. way, like if you're, if you're awesome together and you work well together and you're good partners, then your love grows like super strong within a matter of a week. Right. So it's, it's hit or miss. And I think on a boat compared to a house, you have very like defined rules, I guess. And I think what made our specific trip successful when it comes to like us all getting along is we've all done this for so long and we're right. all so we're all so used to being in close quarters with people for long periods of time so things that may set somebody else off we we can easily wash it away or mention it right. and other and and the other person can take the constructive criticism very well so i think that's why it was successful in that in that regards whereas if you have a husband and wife that have been working separate yeah. lives and separate jobs for 20 years and then all of a sudden they're in the yeah. house together it scares the shit out of me <laughs> like oh god i wouldn't want to do that <laughs> yeah and i suppose as well like if you're on a sailing expedition like you guys are running on adrenaline as well like that's something exciting yeah. that you're all doing and it's a common bond like you're all there for the love of sailing for the love of traveling you know like i guess that's the big difference too um where for you sure. probably even if there are like small annoyances on you know this tiny boat where you're in small quarters you can get over it a bit quicker because it's like holy shit we just saw a polar bear <laughs> like exactly. we just saw walruses and whales like you know i'm not going to get pissed off that someone left you know a dirty plate out or whatever it is yeah we're there for the sake of the mission and we know that the mission is ending in three weeks and like it was, yeah, that's the kind of stuff that yeah. would get you through sometimes where you're like, I'm tired, I'm cold. You're like, well, this is a once in a lifetime thing. Like, get the fuck mm-hmm. over it and film yeah. and get through it. Where maybe maybe in a house when you're like, is COVID ever going to end? Like, this sucks. So, I mean, yeah. is it ever going to end? We don't fucking know. Uh, we no. are. <laughs> but, I've, got, I've got the antibodies. <laughs> so do I. So do we. So, so do, do we. Yeah. <laughs> more and more people I talk to, more and more people I talk to, they're like, oh, yeah, I had it. It fucking sucked. But I have the antibodies now. She gave it to me. Yeah. <laughs> Talking about COVID and sailing since you've been home, have you found that the sailing industry has been impacted a great deal this year? I would yeah. imagine being on a sailboat would be one of the safest places to be in a global pandemic, but I feel like I'm wrong. <laughs> so Yeah, I think I think <laughs> I think it's 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 yes and no at the same time. I mean my brother and his wife and their baby have been on the boat through this whole time and they got stuck in the Bahamas, which is like, oh poor them, they got stuck in the Bahamas, which yeah. of course at the end of the day it's it's there's they're grateful to be there and it's great and they're lucky and beautiful water. Um, but at the same time, you can't go anywhere. Like, but the yeah. Bohemian government was basically like, don't come to town. You can get your provisions delivered to you so you can get food delivered once a week. And then America is like, don't come here. So it's, it's just hard to travel internationally. Maybe if you're living on a sailboat at an island and that's your permanent home, it might have been mm-hmm. okay. But I, I was so grateful that when, when my girlfriend and I came here and we actually bought a condo, we closed on it on February 28th. And we were Ooh. planning, and we were planning on going off and going sailing. This was going to be like our home base, and we were going to rent it out uh, to like Airbnb while we were away. And then we were going to go get on a big boat and continue kind of our sailing adventure and teaching sailing and stuff. And then, boom, the lockdown happened, and it was like oh, so grateful we didn't 
go off and do that because we would have yeah. been stuck somewhere. <laughs> so some people, probably a lot of people that are on the boats are like, oh, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. And then other people's perspectives are like, I'm super glad I'm not. And it also depends where you are in the world. If you're in a city that's complete mm-hmm. lockdown, I'm super grateful that we're up in the mountains. So up here, mm-hmm. you know, you can still backcountry, you can still go mountain biking, you can still sail in the lake. It didn't, oh, it, it wasn't as, <laughs> you know, a hard of a hit for us up here as yeah. far as the quarantine goes. Just so everyone who's listening, when you say up here, where are you? I'm in Lake Tahoe, California, up in the mountains. Oh. Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> it's we actually have an interview coming up with a couple called World Towning and they bought a sailboat and they had lessons all set up and they were going to go sailing and then the lessons have been canceled so they're living on a sailboat that they don't know how to oh, <laughs> that they don't know how to do anything so they're living on a sailboat right now. Dr. Brady, you need to get That's out there. Awesome. You need to go help them. Yeah. <laughs> they need <Yeah>. your help. <laughs> Tell them to fly to Lake Tahoe and we'll give them lessons on the lake next summer. <laughs> so now you're home, you're doing this. You're kind of in place until, you know, we know what's going on in the states. But once, you know, you're free to do whatever you want again. What's next for you? Oh man, that's a really good question. I feel like this this Svalbard docu series has been in the works for close to two and a half years, and that hasn't been full time because my girlfriend and I were also sailing the North Atlantic a lot and still producing our YouTube episodes on Esfidelos. So it was kind of on the back burner for a while, and then it came forward, but it was always in my head. And finally, when we got here and, and the lockdown hit, we're like, "All right, this is the time. Like, buckle down and finish this mm-hmm. thing." And now that it's being released and it's going to the world. That's like all I want to think about. It's just like that for now. Yeah. And I don't know. I want to make more films for sure in the future. Uh, we, My girlfriend and I started a sailing school up here in Lake Tahoe. So we're going to be teaching next summer on the lake. And then eventually mm-hmm. in, in a year or two or when things are semi-normal, I definitely want to go and, and cruise internationally again and, and sail from island to island to island. And I think my biggest dream is to go from – like the Bay Area and San Francisco and go down to Mexico, across the Pacific, up through Taiwan, like Japan, Ooh. Aleutians, Alaska, and then back down. So like a big lap of North oh. Pacific Ocean is what my future holds, I think. <laughs> I just suddenly felt like a very boring person. <laughs> We're constantly dreaming and talking about it. We're like, oh, how cool would it be to sail to Japan? And like then after that, you go yeah. to Alaska and then... It's there. That's how that's how all these things start in the first place. Is like exactly. how cool would it be to go there and then you just start making the right decisions and hopefully end up there one day. I mean, I have to say when I was watching um, watching the series, I had so many moments where I just thought, I'm like, oh, what am I doing with my life? Which is like kind of a shitty feeling, <laughs> but I also think those feelings are so important to have. And when you yeah. watch something like this, and when you're inspired, inspired by other people that are doing just cool shit, especially when it comes to traveling. And that's what keeps me like the fire kind of burning under me to do, yeah. you know, cool things and keep traveling. And so I had so many of those moments with everything you guys did. I'm like, I want to be doing that. Like, what am I doing sitting here in my flat in London, you know, just doing fuck all. in lockdown. <laughs> but but it's a it was a good you know what I mean? Like, it was still yeah. a good feeling for sure. And I, I, I think it goes both ways, too, because I mean, the same thing happens if I look at Instagram or, or, or YouTube or something and somebody's traveling and doing these incredible things. I'm like, what am I doing? I bought a yeah. house and I live on land now. And 
and it's like fuck like did I just sell out and then at the at the same time I don't know I think you just have to start small and like our mission on Delos was always do what you love no matter what and whether that's reading more books or going for bike rides or going for walks like just do that and it'll lead to wherever you want it to yeah I mean I feel like you've almost inspired me to take up sailing I don't know like I would you won't regret it I I I was gonna say I noticed that you guys do not have any Canadian sailors in your crew. So if you're looking for any, Steph and I, (laughs) I mean, I can't sail for shit, but I can make a really good Bloody Mary in the morning. um, And a really mean breakfast. So like if you, and I'm pretty good company, I think. So yeah, I'll vouch for that. (laughs) I just feel like you need some Canadian representation. So it's just as important to be a good person to live in close quarters. Actually, it's more important to, to be a skilled sailor. Like most of our crew go. that have ever joined us, a lot of them didn't know the first thing about sailing, but they were amazing people that you could live in close quarters with for long periods of time. And the sailing comes in; it'll it'll, it'll fill in. It's not that hard. It'll, I mean, I already have. I'm such I'm such a poser. I have an anchor tattoo on my foot. <laughs> That I've oh, had for you, have years. A, you have an anchor tattoo and you've never been sailing. Damn. And, and even worse, <laughs> I do have a big pirate ship tattooed on my leg as well. But I don't sail. Everyone's like, oh, are you into sailing? I'm like, no, just really into like old Navy tattoos. So I feel like I need to learn to sail now just to like back up my tattoos. Yeah. You pretty much put a, you pretty much put a bit vision board on your body. Exactly. That's why after I spent a few months in China, I finally felt validated to have the Chinese tattoo I got when I was 18. <laughs> <laughs> like this is you now. What's the location yes. of this tattoo? It's on my hip. Okay. It's very cliche. Oh, that's not your tramp stamp stuff. You definitely have a tramp no. stamp. Don't you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I did. I had a lot of 18 year old cliche tattoos <laughs> and I love them all. <laughs> yeah yes we'll get you on a sailboat yes all right yeah. hey the next trip you guys do just give me a ring i'm there i have two cats so i might need to bring them with me do you think i could bring cats sailing is this a thing <laughs> uh some people bring cats sailing we had a cat with us for the first like 10 months and it was a it was what? a what are the really fluffy white furry ones that... <gasps> i have two I very fluffy <laughs> Really friendly cats. I feel like they'd be into it. I feel like I could start like a, like an influencer. You know, like me just sailing with two cats. Is that yeah, it? do it. Of course. It's, if it's not a thing, you can do it. Yes. You found your niche in life. I'm. I'm actually excited about this. All right. Well, Brady, we'll talk right. offline about this. You know. Okay. See if All right. Let's do it. <laughs> um, so, Brady, where can everyone find? this series uh, online where can everyone watch this so right now the series is live on 80 northseries.com and we have decided to self-distribute this series so the only place that this is going to be available to watch is on our website for i don't know the foreseeable future until something changes <laughs> i mean i i suggest anyone watch it because it's really really good it's like i would even put it up there with like david attenborough style like Whoa. i loved it i mean we can <laughs> never compare so david attenborough but it's really good like the filming is amazing what happens in it is really exciting so thank you so much yeah a, a yeah. lot of people in the sailing community have, have agreed that it's it's like youtube meets jacques Cousteau meets yes. discovery channel so like there's a little bit of everything there's some cinematic stuff there's animal encounters but there's also that kind of youtube um personal aspect to it that you get from people filming themselves and Mm -hmm. it's like like my favorite part of watching 
planet Earth and all that shit is is always the last ten minutes when it's like how you got the shot and you get to see what yes. the people went through. And yeah. I feel like that's what we wanted to capture with this, and hopefully, yeah. people agree that that that's what we got. You genuinely, do feel like you're on the boat with you guys? Like I felt that's like I awesome. was there. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And for anyone listening, you can check it out. We've got a link to it in the show notes here. So easy yeah. access. And we've and we've and we've decided to do. Um, it is a pay model, so it's pay what's fair, basically, and and it's a very unique thing, and we're taking a chance on this because we've been. You know, two thousand hours of editing and post production and the trip itself. We're it's, it, was, yeah. it was not a cheap thing to make, but at the yeah. same time, we wanted to stay. We wanted to stay true to ourselves and our creativity, and make sure that we didn't sell out by adding more drama or changing music or whatever that would be. So we're like, we're fuck it, we're doing it ourselves, and we're gonna put it out there, and people get to go to the website eightynorthseries dot com, uh, watch the trailer, watch a little bit about um, how we made the film. And then you type in a number of what you think you want to pay for this four-part series, and then you get to watch it. That's it. So whatever you want to pay. Worth it, guys. Worth it. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Yeah. No, thank you so much for coming on. This was uh, just a great chat. I mean, I again, I don't know anything about sailing, but I find it really intriguing. I find it really exciting. So I'm glad we were able to have you on to just talk to us a little bit more about just this, this sailing adventure that you guys got to experience. For sure, yeah. Thanks for having me. And and if you ever want to talk in the future, there's a lot of topics I can cover of all the shit I've done abroad. <laughs> yes. Thanks for name dropping our podcast in the end there. <laughs> <laughs> of course. All the shit I've learned abroad is a travel podcast focused on anything and everything related to travel. You can listen to us on multiple platforms from iTunes to Google Play Music and more. And with that, please, if you have a chance, give us a five star review on iTunes or whatever platform you listen on. That drives us up the charts and really, really helps us out want to support us on patreon find us over at should have learned abroad pod donations start as low as just one dollar also if you could follow us on twitter and instagram at should abroad pod and facebook by searching all the should have learned abroad thanks so much for listening When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.